Amen. Amen. Grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. Turn with me to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter number 5. 1 Timothy chapter number 5. It's going to be a good lesson tonight. Uh, a very informative. You're going to learn some things tonight. And uh, while you're turning, <clears throat> while you're turning, I want y'all to know when the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because you're adversary. You have an enemy. Your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion who roameth about, seeking whom he may devour. Are y'all, how many of y'all know he's legit? He's a real deal. He, it's not a fake. All right, we made, a, we made a decision to reach our country, okay? We made a decision to reach our country, to target our country, to go after our country. The, we had to postpone we had to postpone the beginning of that because, as you know, I got COVID. Me and Tammy got COVID. Uh, so since that has started, I've got COVID. I've had poison ivy. Uh, I've had back spasms. And this week, my blood pressure has gone out of this roof crazy. Just ridiculous. Uh, not only that, not only that, the grand finale this Sunday, uh, we have a hurricane scheduled. Now, now think about that, guys. I want you to really think about that a minute. Do you think that is a coincidence? I mean, really, we're supposed to have like crazy weather coming up. And, uh, and Dustin came into my office. Y'all know he's a junior weatherman. I mean, he's the real deal, sure enough. I mean, I, I wasn't saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying he, he, he chases tornadoes as a hobby. <clears throat> And he come in there shaking his head. He said, Preacher, this thing is, 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 is supposed to come right through here right on Sunday. And I, thought, I said, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's, just, that's the way it's going to, you know. Uh, now, think about this. If the devil is doing this much, if he is trying his best this much with one little church that's made a decision to try to reach our country, how much do you think that we can understand how much he's involved in what's happening in our country right now. Are y'all with me? I'm just telling you, we need to be in prayer. We need, we need God's protection. We need the anointing on this place. Are y'all with me? Because when you, when you start making a difference, when you start making a difference, he ain't going to lay down and roll over and play dead. Are y'all with me? Say Amen. So, so I'm excited about Sunday. Amen. Now, let's jump right in here to 1 first, uh, first Timothy uh, chapter number 5. Chapter number 5. Man, isn't it good to be saved? I, I was just listening to some worship music back there, and I'm telling you, it's got me, it's got me primed. I'm ready to go. All right? Verse number 1. Verse number 1. If you got there, say amen. amen. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren... And the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. Honor widows that are widows indeed. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home. That's, res that's uh, respect. Uh, show piety at home and to requite. That means to repay or, or uh, uh, give back, if you will. Uh, requite their parents for that is good and acceptable before God. Now, she that is a widow indeed and desolate, that's important, that's important, trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. 
But she that liveth in pleasure is, is dead while she liveth. And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. All right, say amen. Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore years old. Uh, that's 60 years old. Having been the wife of one man, well reported of for good works, if she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. But the younger widows refuse. For when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. And with all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, and guide the house. Give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully, for some are already turned aside after Satan. And if any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them relieve them, and let not the church be charged, that it may relieve them that are widows indeed." Now he's going to a different set of group or a different group of people. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. This is, this is a different uh, set of elders than the first word, all right? The first word meant elderly, the older men in the congregation. These elders represent the one where we studied earlier in the first letter of Timothy, where you have elder, bishop, pastor. It's talking about the same office. In other words, these are the pastors of the churches that Timothy's responsible for. Are you with me? All right. Now, he said, the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. In other words, those that are bringing you spiritual food every week, every week, sharing the word, preaching the word, teaching the word. For the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the labor is worthy of his reward. Against an elder, receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Them that sin, rebuke before all that others also may fear. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels, that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other man's sins. Keep thyself pure. Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment. Some men they follow after. Likewise, also the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, thank you for your blessings, your mercy. Thank you for the privilege of being in your house around your people. Uh, Lord, it, it is such an honor and such a privilege to be able to share your word and spend time in it, digging in it and learning and, and defining and growing. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us tonight. Help us to learn something we didn't know before. Help us to mature in our faith, develop in our faith. I pray that you'll make us stronger Christians today than we were yesterday. God will thank you for all that you do. And Lord, please help me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And please don't let me forget anything I should. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. <clears throat> if you're here for the very first time tonight, we're glad that you're here. We've been studying this letter from the Apostle Paul to his disciple Timothy. 
He has left Timothy to oversee uh, the work of the church in Ephesus, and uh, he's got some problems to fix. He wrote this letter, and he said, I'm writing this to you so you'll know how to behave in the house of God, the pillar and ground of truth. How many of y'all with me say amen? Now, keep in mind this. Uh, when you see stuff, uh, uh, you, in other words, do it this way. All right. He's writing out, do such and such, whatever the category is, whatever the, the topic is, do it this way. The reason he's saying do it this way is because they were doing it the wrong way. Y'all with me? Most instruction in the Bible comes from trying to fix what was wrong. Right. So the, the things that we're going to study tonight, the reason he's telling them to do it the way they're doing it is because they were doing it wrong. Does that make sense? And so, so he's going to deal with some people and I, I look at your title. What's the title? Say it again. You know what is so, so, um, so refreshing and, and so, uh, rewarding about ministry is you're dealing with, do you know what's so frustrating and so aggravating about the ministry is you're dealing with people, people. people. Uh, the old saying is people or ministry would be great if it wasn't for the, but if it wasn't for the, there would be no ministry. Y'all figured that out? How many of you know ministry is basically problem solving? Problem solving. You know why? Because people have a lot of problems. We have issues, we have struggles, we have difficulties. And, and so uh, Timothy is learning this, learning this. Uh, if, 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 you're, if you want to get involved in ministry, but you don't want to deal with frustrations, people, or problems, you, you don't want to get involved in ministry. Listen, he is given, really, I don't want to say three groups of people, because the first group, the first group is, is everybody. All right. He, 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 he gives you some instruction in verse number one and verse number two that constitute everybody. All right. So the whole family, say that with me, the, okay. the whole family, all the members, all the participants in church uh, from that end to that end. It covers it. How many of y'all know they some they some older men in here? All right. How many of y'all know they some younger men in here? How many of y'all know there's some seasoned ladies in here? Wisdom, Travis, wisdom. <laughs> How many of y'all know there's some young ladies in here? See, that covers them all, right? It covers them all. Now, this is what I want to do. First point ain't very long. We're just going to read verses one and two and, and kind of check that out. And then we're going to go into detail with the widows. And then we're going to go into detail with the elders. If you're familiar with that, say amen. amen. All right, check it out. Verse one and two. Let's read it. Rebuke not an elder. Now, remember what I said. This is not a pastor, a bishop. This is not one of the one of the, uh, the the pastors of the church, the elders of the church. In that sense, in this context, he's just talking about an older gentleman. If you with me, say amen. amen. In other words, Timothy, this is how you to treat older gentlemen. All right, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters, with all purity. Now. In the immediate context of these two verses, he's talking about church discipline. He's talking about when you have to deal with an issue, with a situation, 
And he starts with the older uh, men, goes all the way down to the younger women, right? The older men, the older ladies, the younger men, and the younger ladies. Now, two things, write this down. Two things, write this down. We see you deal with them. You deal with them uh, in two things. A, write this down. In your confrontations with them. In your confrontations with them. All right? And then in your associations with them. And I'm just write them down and we'll talk about it. All right? I want you to deal with them a certain way in your confrontation. In other words, when you have to deal with something, when they've done something wrong uh, uh, and you have to deal with it, you have to confront them, I want you to deal with them in a certain way. Okay, in your in your everyday associations with them, when you when you mix and mingle with with all the people of the church, I want you to treat them in a certain way. Now, I wonder what that way is. I wonder what that way is. He said, treat the elder as fathers, treat the elder ladies as mothers, treat the younger men as and treat the younger ladies as so. When you think father, mother, sister, brother, what are you thinking? Say it again. Say it again. Family. There are so many metaphors in the Bible that describes the church. It's it's called a temple. It's called a body. Are y'all with me? It's called several different things. It's called a flock. In this particular sense, he's talking about family. When you deal with the people in the church, I want you to deal with them as if you're dealing with. Now, that to some people, it would make them smile. To some people, it would make them sad. Because everybody's family's not the same. Okay? Some people have some just terrible family experiences, and I understand that. But that's not, that's not what he's talking about here. I want you to take for granted that he is referring to a good family, a loving family, family the way God intended it to be, family where there was a father and a husband that was involved in the situation, protecting and providing and doing the things, a mother involved in the deal, uh, nurturing and caring and guiding and, 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 and are, are y'all with me? Brothers and sisters, and I—I I, I was really lucky. I was really lucky. I had a—I had a pretty big family, especially on my mama's side. And and man, one of my one of my favorite memories all year long was Thanksgiving, because Thanksgiving is when we always had family reunion at my grandma's side on my mom's side. If that makes sense, say amen. And we get to see all of our aunts and all of our uncles. And, and uh, uh, man, I tell you, I feel sorry for the kids that don't have a bunch of aunts and a bunch of uncles and, and 5,000 cousins to fight with. Say amen. I mean, that was awesome. I, I love that. I, I love that family atmosphere, hanging out and getting to see everybody. And, and so what Paul is trying to instruct Timothy is, listen, when, when, you deal, when you deal with the church people, I want you to look at them as they are part of your Family. All right. Now, watch this. Look in your notes. Ephesians 2.19. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens. All right. That's citizenship in a country. Fellow citizens with the saints and of the. Come on. And of the household of God. Look at Ephesians 3. Verse 14. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the. Say it again whole family in heaven and earth is named. Galatians 6, 10. 
As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of We are family. We are. That's why we say Brother Joe and Sister Susie, and that's what he's trying to say. Now, I know what you're thinking. Okay, what do you mean? Well, there's two specific areas he's dealing with right here. The first is in the context of rebuke, correcting. He said, listen, don't go to an elder man and jump down his throat. Because when you take that word rebuke and, and, and look it up and define it, it's talking about a sharp attack. In other words, even if you have to correct an elder, because keep in mind, keep in mind, Timothy's younger. And, and the people that he is leading, the people he is pastoring, the people he is overseeing, some of them are older. So sometimes, sometimes Timothy's going to have to correct them. Y'all with me? As, why? Because we're people. Listen, if your toes don't get stepped on every now and then, you're either perfect or you're blind and deaf. And I know you're not perfect. We're all human. But what Paul is instructing Timothy is when you do it, if you have to do it, do it with respect. Do it with honor. So many verses, so many verses. I didn't have, didn't have the room to put it on these papers, but you can look at verse after verse after verse after verse that instructs the younger to respect and honor the elder, especially family. The younger generation to take care of and bless and encourage their, their family, their mothers and their fathers. Uh, and he talks, about, he talks about judgment that will fall, you know, if, if you don't. I mean, it, it, is, it is imperative that Paul is telling him, look, you have to honor them. You have to respect them. I'm not saying don't deal with a sin or don't deal with a mistake or a failure. But when you do it, do it with honor. Do it with respect. Do it in a way that is pleasing unto the Lord. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Now, that is in the rebuke part, okay? Uh, then I want you to see the association. The association. You got two, you got two, you got the, you got the older there. He's saying deal with them with respect and honor. But then you have the younger crowd. You have the younger brother and the younger sister. He said, when you associate that way, I want you to understand when you deal with the younger brother, you are not, you are not, uh, you are not a dictator over them. You are on equal ground. I want you to understand at the cross, you're the same. Now there is a difference. Now, just make sure you understand it. There is a difference between the elder and, and the, the, or the pulpit in the pew. There is. I don't care. There, there's just a touch. There's an anointing. There's something there. And you should honor the office. Are y'all with me? But he said, don't walk. Basically what he's saying, don't walk around with your nose stuck up in the air. Walk around like you're in this thing together. Walk around like he's your brother. You're not his father. You are his. Does that make sense? Now he deals and he uses a word to emphasize and, and make a point. He said, now, when you deal with them young women, he said, I want you to look at them like they are your sister with all. What's that word? Purity. With all purity. What's he saying? You can't. It's hard to kiss your sister. Y'all with me? Now, we've already covered this a couple chapters ago. But what he's saying, he's saying you got to stay pure. 
You got to stay right. Do you know, do you know adultery has probably destroyed more ministries of young preachers than probably any other sin there is? I mean, good young men, good young men that had every intention of doing the right thing and being the right person, but stuff happens. He said, look at them, make sure in your associations, in your associations with people that you look at them as your brother and you look at them as your, and how you see them, how you respond to them, how you associate with them. You, you, you just ain't, you ain't going to be flirting with your sister. Y'all with me? And I'm not trying to be funny or I'm telling you, this is important. This is serious. Paul is dead serious with this. He said, you need to protect the young women and protect yourself. So many verses in Proverbs cover all of this. It'd be good for every young man to go read these. Very, very important. Somebody say amen. Amen. We are in an incredibly sexualized culture in our, in our nation. We, we have to work around it. We have to live around it. We go, no matter what you see, uh, TV is, is just horrible. So be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Say that with me. Be careful. Be careful. So this is how we treat each other in here. We treat each other like we are family. We're family. We're going to respect each other like we're family. We're going to associate each, with each other like we're family. Are y'all, are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now let's move to the next group. All right. That's verses one and two. That's verses one and two. Now let's look at the widows. Let's look at the widows. Verse three. Now, now I want you to, before we do, let's kind of set the, let's kind of set the understanding, the, the atmosphere here. In the day that we're reading this, they didn't have Social Security. They didn't have welfare. They didn't have any government program to assist people in need of that way. If that makes sense, say amen. Amen. Does everybody understand that? Uh, How did you you take care? How was you taken care of in your elder years? Your family did. That's why why, uh, Naomi was so bitter when her husband died and then her two sons died, her two sons was her social security. That was going to be how she was going to be taken care of in her latter years. And, and, and she just said, it's over. My life's over. She is, she's going to have to resort to begging now. And that's why it was such a struggle and such a difficulty for widows in that day. And God's had a heart for widows. Say amen. amen. Now watch, look at this. He says, honor widows that are widows, what? Indeed, indeed. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayer night and day. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. But if any provide not for his own, and especially those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. Let not a widow... Now, let's stop there. Let's stop there. Verse 8. All right? Let me, let me go down to uh, verse 16. Verse 16. If any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them relieve them, and let not the church be charged. 
that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. Okay, now here's what I want you to do. Let's write this. Let's look at the. Let's look at God's God's feelings toward the widow. <clears throat> Psalm sixty-eight, verse five. God's going to be a father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. Now, judge doesn't mean he's going to look at their, their sin or look at their wrongdoing. It means he's going to appeal their case, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? All right. Now, look, Exodus twenty two twenty two. Ye have ye shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If thou afflict them in any wise, and they cry at all unto me, I will surely hear their cry, and my, wa- my wrath shall wax hot, and I will kill you with a sword, and your wives shall be widows, and your children fathers. How serious do you think God takes taking care of widows? All right. Psalms 146, 9. The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and widow, but the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. Now, let me, let me kind of help you understand the seriousness and and why God is this serious about it. Uh, God has an order in creation. Okay. God has an order in creation. He has a design that is perfect. He has a design that is his, that we have distorted in a terrible way. We have distorted it in a terrible way. What is his design? His design is man shall take care of and provide for. And listen, the woman is under the authority, under the protection, under the guidance, under the help and the love, concern and care of the man. God made him with bigger muscles. God made him in such a way that he could take the the rough and tough and difficult atmosphere of the world and culture and it would not bother him he could go out there kill the meat and drag it back to the cave he made god made him in such a way that he would provide and care and are y'all with me but when he's gone he's gone that's gone so now so now god expects other males to help in what is no longer there for her. People, people say, well, God doesn't care about women. Well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. God provided in such a way where a woman, even in her weakness, even in the, in the places where uh, it is very difficult for her, that the man would help take care of, provide for, and, and care in her. Are y'all with me? So when that's no longer there, God has set up ways for that to still take place. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Now, all this crowd running around saying, we're all the same. We're all the same. Men don't need women and women don't need men. That's baloney. That's baloney. God is saying when that umbrella is gone, when her ability to be cared for and taken care of and provided for is gone, the church is to step up. Are y'all with me? Now, there's two things and two groups of widows that we're going to look at here, which I, in the very beginning, when I, you know, first read this chapter, I thought it was just all one deal, but it's not. It's not, and I'll show you what I mean. Now, two things. Two things we're going to learn in these chapters. First, there is going to be ministry for widows. Write that down. 
ministry for widows. All right, let's go back to verse 3. Honor, what's that next word? Say it again. Now look in your notes, look in your notes. The English word widow describes a woman whose husband is dead. That's the English word. When we, when, when automatic and I say, what's a widow? You'll say somebody, a lady whose husband has died. How many of y'all know that 100% of us would say that answer? All right, but the word used here is a little different. It's a little different. The word translated is chera, the Greek word chera. Now, it includes that meaning, but is not limited to it. It is an adjective used as a noun and means bereft, robbed, having suffered lost, or what? Left alone. So that means this word does not speak of how a woman was left alone. It merely describes the situation. Does everybody understand that? It doesn't say how she is left desolate or alone. It just says she is, she's alone. Is everybody with me on that? It's going to mean something, okay? It's going to mean something. All right? It is a, it's broad enough to encompass those who lost their husbands through death, desertion, divorce, or even imprisonment. It can even encompass those cases where a polygamist came to Christ and sent away his extra wives. In other words, a man who had multiple wives, he gets saved and realizes this is not God's design. This is not God's order. He sends them away. Well, now, now they are what? They're widows. They're desolate. The husband's still living, but they're desolate. They're alone. They're alone. All right? Is everybody with me on that? Okay, now watch. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Look at this. Honor widows that are widows indeed. But if any widow have children, let me, no, 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 no. Back to verse five. Back to verse five. Here's a key word. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate. Circle that word. Circle that word. Desolate. All right. All widows are not the same. All widows are not the same. There are some widows. There are some widows or women that have been deserted. uh, uh, Women that have been abused. Women that are basically, they're alone. They are desolate. They do not have the ability to take care of themselves. But then you have widows who uh, are loaded. Are y'all with me? They may be riding around, they may be riding around in a limo. They're not all the same. And this is what, I mean, not a limo in that day, but you know, you get what I'm saying. If we're going to apply it to the day, it's not all the same. In other words, the church doesn't have a responsibility just because you're a widow. uh, that, That Now the church has to whatever. Okay. Financially speaking, and this is primarily what he's dealing with here, the care, the financial care. But it's talking about those who are desolate, those who do not have the ability to care for themselves. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. All right, now, so we have, we have a responsibility to widows. Two things under that I want you to write down. First, first, he describes the responsibility of family members. He describes the responsibility of family members. Verses 4, 8, and 16. Verse 4. He says, if any widow have children or nephews, and the word nephews there is really translated grandchildren, so he's talking about children and grandchildren. 
Let them learn first to show piety, respect at home, and to requite their parents. For that is good and acceptable before God. In other words, if you have family, if this, this woman has family that can take care of her, then they need to take care of her. They should not charge the church. The church is, it's not the church's responsibility. It's her family's responsibility. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. All right? They need to repay. They need to share the same love and the concern and care for her as she cared for them as they were growing up. It's the family's responsibility. All right? Then verse 8. But if any provide not for his own, and especially those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. What he's saying is, is people that will not care for their own family is worse than an unbeliever. Because even unbelievers in this day believed in the responsibility of the younger caring for the elder. Even pagan unbelievers. This is what Paul is saying. All right, now, verse 16. Verse 16. He says, if any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them relieve them and let not the... Keep on. And let not the that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. And what he's saying, if a person has the ability with their family to take care of her, then the church should not be responsible for her so the church can have the ability to take care of widows who are really desolate, who are widows indeed who are alone indeed, who are helpless indeed. Is that, are y'all with me? That's the point. He's saying, he's saying, listen, Timothy, don't be pulling everybody in. Don't just, don't just be pulling them in. He said, check it out. Find out, do they have family? Because if they have family, it's the family's responsibility to step up and care for that person in need. Amen? Now, not only do we see the responsibility of family members. But then we see the requirements for assistance. The requirements for assistance. Three, five, and six. Honor widows that are widows indeed. Five. Now she that is a widow indeed, which means she is desolate. Come on. Desolate. Now think about this. Desolate means inability. She don't have any money. She don't have any way to make money. And that day, keep in mind, no social security, no welfare. In many parts, it, women were banned from having employment outside the home. Uh, anytime you've seen a widow, anytime you've seen a widow, usually in, in the Old Testament or New Testament, she was in poverty. You remember when the prophet went to the widow and, and, and said, make me a cake? She said, I only have enough cake for me and my son, and then we're going we're gonna to die. So widows, widows had it bad, difficult to usually in great poverty. Two of the, two of the, the, the people that was raised from the dead was for the sake of blessing a widow. Did you know that? The widow of Nain, it was because Jesus loves widows. Do you realize that Jesus only spoke to two people? He only spoke to two people on the cross. He talked to the, he talked to the thief on the cross to forgive him. And he talked to John to take care of his mama, who was a Think about that. God cares about widows. He cares about widows who are widows 
indeed, which means they are desolate. All right, y'all picking it up. Amen. Picking it up. Verse six, verse six. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. Now, what that means is, all right, you have you have someone who's desolate. The, the, the person that is desolate that you want to bring in and care for and provide for. Look what it says. Let me go back to verse five. Now, she that is a widow indeed is the one that's desolate. But yet, but yet, even though she's desolate, what is she doing? She's trusting in God. She's a prayer warrior. I can't help but study this and read this. And, and some of my Fort Pierce people are in here somewhere because I gave them a hug. Right, well, not really. I didn't give them a hug. I didn't do that. <laughs> I saw them in the foyer. Amen. Uh, but my family from Fort Pierce, we had a, a widow lady named Sister Manley. Selma Manley. She's in heaven now. But if you had an issue, if you had a problem, if you needed somebody to get a hold of heaven, guess where you went? That's what he's talking about right here. He said, now, if they are living in pleasure, in other words, they're living the high life. Don't bring them in. They're not living for God. They're living for self. And when it says she's dead while she lived, that we go back to, and you were dead in your trespasses and in sins. That means truly she's an unbeliever. At the time, okay? So, now, all right, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. How many of y'all understand now what kind of widow he's referring to? Someone who is desolate, a woman who has been, whatever caused her situation, she is now without hope. She is without care. She is without help. Uh, Her husband may have put her away, because it was polygamy, her husband may be in prison, uh, died, whatever it might be. It might be war, whatever it might be. And she's desolate. He said, bring them in. They're not all the same. If they have family, let them take care of her. If she cannot take care of herself, you take care and you provide and you honor that person. Church, say amen. amen. Now, now, uh, let's look in... Uh, uh, hmm, hmm. Verse 9, verse 9. Look in verse 9. Let not a widow be taken into the number under three score years old. How old is that? 60. Having been the wife of one man, well reported of for good works, if she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. But the younger widows refuse. For when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. And with all, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. He said, for some have already turned aside after Satan. Now, when he stops in verse 8, when he stops in verse 8, he changes, he changes uh, the topic, if you will. Now we're going to talk about something different. Now when we was reading down to verse 8, what was, what was A? Tell me A. Ministry. Come on, everybody. Ministry. Ministry for widows. Now we're going to talk about ministry from widows. In other words, there was a special group of women 
There was a special group of women, a special ministry team, if you will. We like to use the word team. Uh, Some have called it an order, uh, but I like the word team. A special ministry team made up solely of widows. Uh, They would help with baptism. They would help uh, with teaching the younger women and helping them with the children. Uh, There were so many different things that they would use and they would honor and bless and help and serve in the church. Now Paul is saying, but be careful who you allow on this team. Be careful who you allow on this team. So in the first few verses, we learn that it is ministry for them. This is what you do for them. But now this is a separate group that's going to do something for you. Because when I, when I first started studying this, when I was younger reading this, I always understood, well, the church is not responsible for any widow that's 59 years or younger. We don't have to help them. Well, that's not what he's saying. There was no age limit on the care. The only, the only stipulation was that she was desolate, that she was in great need. Does that make sense? Say amen. But now he's talking about something different. He's talking about a team, a ministry that was made up of widows. Now watch what he says about it. Watch what he says about it. First, I want you to write this down. We see the required maturity. Required maturity. He said, now listen, whoever's going to be on this team, whoever's going to be on this team, verse 9, let not a widow be taken into the number under three score. Score is 20. So three times 20. 60, 60 years old, having been the wife of one man. Well reported of for good works. If she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. So we want to put required maturity. She's got to be elder. She's got to be elder. Now, why is he saying that? Because he's expecting the younger to do what? Remarry. Remarry. And we'll see that in just a second. So we have the required maturity, verse 9, and then we have the recorded ministry. The recorded ministry. In other words, does she have a history of service? Does she have a history of ministry? Does she have a history of hospitality? Does she have a history of humility? Washing feet, that shows humbleness. All right? Does she have a history of serving? Uh, my dad, my dad, y'all, y'all know he's, he's, he's different. Uh, and, and he just, just simple. I mean, when it comes to, when he, when he told me, when I surrendered to preach, I mean, my instructions was be ready Wednesday. The only way you're going to learn how to do it is get in there and do it. So he made me preach every single Wednesday till I went to Bible college, period. You just get her done. Let's trial by fire. Say Amen. It's kind of like when they teach you how to swim by throwing you in the deep end, right? Right? Well, when, when a missionary would come or somebody seeking support would come, he would take them visiting or, or, or soul winning to see if they would do it here. Cause he, this is, this was his theory. If they won't do it here, they're not going to do it in Africa. Think about that. I know that's simple and I know that's country, but that's wisdom. In other words, if she hadn't already done it, she probably ain't going to do it when she gets on the team. Does she have a history of hospitality? Does she have a history of servanthood? Does she have a history of these things? Listen, is she at that age? 
All right, now, then he starts talking about the younger. He starts talking about the younger. He said, I just, I would prefer that the younger women marry, get married again, have children, guide the house. Now, now he gives reasons why. Why does he feel this way? It says, verse 11, but the younger widows refuse. For when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry. In other words, younger women are going to have desires. They're going to have physical desires. And those desires are going to lead them to want a husband. And to want that physical relationship and that companionship there. All right? Now, when they, when they got on this team, when the widows got on this team, they made a commitment to the church. That, they, that their life is going to be dedicated and committed to the prayer, the supplications, the ministry, the service of the church. This is not a good way to put it, but it's the only way. I, they were going to be married to the church. Yes. Not the church, but the ministry. They were committing themselves. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? They're going to be sold out, totally committed uh, the rest of their life, the rest of their life, that they're going to be committed to the ministry of this team, all right, and the responsibilities of this team. Now, some of these widows on that team would be cared for financially from the church, all right? Some, Not all of them, but some of them. Some of them didn't need it, but some of them would have that. But then what would happen is if a younger widow, if a younger widow said, I want to sign up, I'm going to commit to this, I'm going to pledge my life to God to serve in this capacity and serve in this way, and all of a sudden, Romeo comes by. And because of her age and what's natural and what is going to take place and see what happens is in her grief, in her grief at the death of her husband, in her dismay, many times they would make commitments because here the church sweeps in and ministers and loves on her and cares for her. And so she makes a decision to commit to this in her grief. But how many of y'all know grief comes, goes away slowly? But then somebody comes by and attracts her attention and she leaves her pledge. She leaves her commitment that she made and goes and she, he says, that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. Listen, let her, let her go ahead and go ahead and remarry because this is inevitable. It's most likely going to happen unless they're, they're, they've been blessed with the gift of singleness. It's just going to happen. So he said, I would rather you refuse the younger women. Let them get married. Let them raise the children. Let me, let me, let me read that. <clears throat> let me read that. Look what it says. Verse 14. And by the way, what are y'all reading? Y'all don't know what y'all reading? The Bible. God's word. Holy scripture. The inerrant word. Are y'all with me? This is not, I know what some of you are thinking, this is not some uh, male chauvinist book. How many of y'all know what I'm reading right now is not politically correct? This will not be in the debate tonight. Can you imagine? No, no. I'm, I'm just going to leave that. Oh boy. I will therefore. What are we reading again? Do y'all believe it? 
I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Ladies, there is no greater distinction or greater honor than raising children and training children, guiding the house, and taking care of your husband. I know the culture we live in. I know the world we live in. And I know they'll tell you that you're going to, you know, don't listen to that garbage. I read an article. <clears throat> a woman was, was speaking, a widow was speaking to, it was a Scottish pastor. And she said, she said, I've wasted my life. I've wasted my life. She was weeping. I just feel like I haven't done anything for Jesus. I haven't done anything for Jesus. All I've done is cleaned and cooked and cleaned and cooked and I haven't done anything for Jesus. She said, he said, what about your boys? He was her pastor. She named her kids Matthew, Mark, Luke. Oh, I was wondering if you was going to get that. He says, where's the boys? One is in China. One is in China. I can't remember the name, so I'm not going to lie. But one was in China as a missionary. The other was serving in Africa as a missionary. The third was helping his brother in China. The fourth has surrendered to go to Africa, but stayed and said, Mother, I believe God wants me to take care of you till you're in heaven, and then I'm going to Africa. He said, so you ain't done nothing? She said, I feel like I've wasted it all. He said, well, ma'am, I just want to be there. When you get your reward, when you get home. You know what he's saying? Ma'am, you don't even realize the impact you've made on these young men who are winning the world. The hand that rocks the cradle. Come on. And you know what we've done? We've sacrificed that. We've created such an environment that we are shipping our kids off and our influence is being lost. We got to really be careful. Really be careful. Because this is important. Paul is not, Paul is not telling, telling the younger women to take a back seat to a lesser... He's saying this is a great responsibility. That not just a responsibility, but a great opportunity. Can you imagine Elizabeth, the mother of John Baptist? Can you imagine the mother of Charles and John Wesley? I mean, think about this. He said, this is a great, great opportunity and responsibility. And I'm not even going to do the negative. I'll let you read the negative because I'm running out of time. But he's saying, listen, not only is there a danger, there's a danger that they will, they will break their commitment. 
but it's a good possibility they're going to run around idle doing things they ought not to do, gossiping and, and, and hello. An idle mind is a... Now listen, listen. Y'all don't get mad at me because I told you what the Bible says. Do you, do you see where we're at now? I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything but say what the Bible says. And, 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 and we got an attitude now. <laughs> you know the two young men that shot up that high school? You know what the term they use? Latchkey kids. You know what that means? That means nobody's home when they get home. You know what raised them two youngins? Technology. If you don't invest and instill in them, the devil will. Amen, anyway. <clears throat> Ministry from widows. You know what that teaches me? Oh, don't be flipping yet. You know what that teaches me? That we have something to do till we get to heaven. We don't retire out of... Have you ever heard this? Well, we've done our part. It's now it's time for the young ones. I've heard that said. No, that don't, it don't work that way. It's the, just, like, just like it's the younger responsibility to love and care for the elder... It's the elder's responsibility to teach and nurture and tutor the younger. Are y'all with me? Say amen. All right. Now let's look at the elders. Now we're looking at pastors. Now we're looking at pastors. Verse number, let's see, verse number 17. Let the elders that rule well. Now remember, remember, elder, bishop, and pastor, same office, same person. It just describes the different functions that he has, right? Let the elders that rule well counted, be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Word and doctrine, all right? For the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. And the laborer is worthy of his reward. Now, three things. We got we to write this down quick, all right? First, he describes and he teaches them about compensating, compensating the elders, the pastors. Compensating. <clears throat> he says in verse number 16, or excuse me, verse number 17. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. And then he uses the illustration. For the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. The laborer is worthy of his reward. Here is the illustration. An ox is pulling the plow and he's going through the corn and he reaches over and grabs the ear of corn while he's eating. He says, don't put a muzzle on that ox. If he's doing the work, he deserves to, he deserves to eat the corn. Does that make sense? And he uses the illustration. If, if the preacher's doing the plowing, he deserves to be taken care of from the people that's getting the benefit of the plowing. Does that make sense? Amen. Now look, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12. 
And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. To Read this with me, verse 13. To esteem them very in love for their... And be at peace among yourselves. Turn real quickly to 1 Corinthians 9. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Quickly, quickly, quickly. I made a commitment to get out on time. Which is not going to happen. Hurry, 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 hurry. All right, I'm going to read while you're turning. Paul is saying, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not ye my work in the Lord? If I be not an apostle unto others, yea, doubtless I am to you. For the seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. Mine answer to them that do examine me. There were people who were criticizing Paul and telling, saying that he wasn't an apostle. Says, mine answer to them that do examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and to drink? Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles, as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas? Talking about Peter. In other words, we have a, we have a right to have a wife. We have a right to get married. Or I only and Barnabas, have we not power to forbear working? Who go, in, in other words, to be committed totally to the work of the ministry and be, be benefited from the ministry, paid by the ministry? He says, who goeth a warfare any time at his own charge? Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth a flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man? Or saith not the law the same also? And this is, he's quoting the same verse. For it is written in the law of Moses, thou shalt not muzzle the ox, the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God care for the oxen? Or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt. In other words, he didn't say that for the ox. He said that for our sakes. All right. He said, uh, uh, this is written that he that ploweth should plow in hope and that he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? And they which wait at the altar partakers with the altar... Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should. What does that mean? That means if a man is preaching the gospel, if he is full into it, completely committed to it, then he should be taken care of. All right, now watch this, watch this. While all elders are to be honored, while all elders are to be honored, Paul singles out some as being worthy of double honor. He differentiates between the general category of elders and those who serve with greater commitment, effort, and excellence. They are worthy of greater acknowledgement from the congregation they serve. Paul is not saying here that they should receive exactly twice the pay a normal elder receive. Rather, they shall receive an ample, generous remuneration of and respect beyond that of other elders whose labors are not as diligent. What is he saying? A man should expect to be blessed according to the effort he's given. Does that make sense? The elders that what? Rule well. Say that with me. That do a good job. 
that his ministry is prospering. His ministry is being blessed. He should have hope and he should be able to look forward. In other words, he should be cared for according to the job that he does. He is not the same. And and man, y'all got to understand this. Every preacher ain't the same. Every preacher is not making the same effort. Every preacher is not putting in the same amount of time, the same amount of hours, and it's showing. Because I promise you this in anything, whether it's ministry, marriage, or work, employment, uh, whatever you put in it, that's what you're going to get out of it. If you don't put the effort in, you better not expect much out of it. But if you're ruling well, if you're doing a good job, if you see commitment and faithfulness and a blessing upon that elder, then you have a responsibility to take care of it. And all God's people say it. And, and, and thank God, thank God, this place really believes in that because y'all are a sure enough blessing to me. Church, say amen. amen. We see he, he teaches them about compensating elders, verses 17 and 18. He teaches them about correcting elders. Hurry, hurry. Oh, we're in the red. Correcting the elders. Correcting the elders. Verses 19 through 21. Quickly, quickly. <clears throat> he says this. Against an elder, receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. What is he saying? If you don't have witnesses, don't even investigate it. Don't even entertain it. Don't even listen to the accusation. Are y'all with me? Protect them against false accusations. If they have no proof, don't even hear it. All right? Now, now, if they do, if they do have the witnesses, all right, look. He says you need to look into it. Verse 20, them that sin rebuke before all that others also may may fear. In other words, if you do have witnesses, and you investigate it, and it happens to be true, deal with it. Deal with it. And you see how he says deal with it? Not under the rug. Not under the rug. Put it before all. Be transparent. Listen, why? So all the rest of the elders will know this is important, this is a big deal, and they will behave themselves. Somebody say amen. Amen. So correcting. There's more to it, but we'll, we'll have to... Do that another time. So we see compensating elders, correcting elders. He said, don't even, don't even entertain a false accusation. If they have no proof, if they have not witnesses, then, then don't even entertainment. If they do, deal with it. Don't sweep it under the rug. Do not ignore it. And, and again, he says, don't show partiality to it either. All right? Now, then we see choosing elders. Choosing elders. Write that down. Real quickly, <clears throat> verse 22, verse 22, lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other man's sins, keep thyself pure. All right, there's two things I want you to see, A and B. We see the warning of caution, the warning of caution. Don't just put any person in a place of authority. Be careful. You see, the laying on of hands was a a sign of identification with, of approval of. In other words, basically it's like putting your name behind this person. 
It, it, it scares me to death when people say, Preacher, can I have a reference? Well, not some. Some people I don't mind at all giving a reference for. But then there's people that I'm like, Oh, Lord, don't call me for no reference. Because I don't want to put my name on what I know. Are y'all with me? That's what he's saying here. He's saying, don't, don't put an unqualified person in this place of eldership. Be careful. Don't just be quick about it. Take your time. Investigate the situation. How many of y'all know it's always easier to hire than it is to fire? It's the truth. So he says, be careful. Be careful. Then lastly, the wisdom to consider. <clears throat> the wisdom to consider. A warning of caution. And then I want you to see the wisdom to consider. Verse 24 and 25. And yes, he did say, take a little wine for thy stomach's sake. The water back there was horrible. He had an issue with his stomach, probably nerves, dealing with crazy people. And he was saying, and, and by the way, the water or the wine there was diluted. It was diluted with water, but it was still, it was still used for medicinal purposes. And he said, use that for your stomach. Be careful. All right. But now he says this. Some men's sins are open beforehand. Now remember, keeping it's in the context of choosing elders, choosing pastors to preach and to teach and to lead the flock. He says, some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men they follow after. What he means is this. What he means is, let's say this is the place of investigation. We've got a guy coming We've got a guy coming who desires the office of a bishop. He desires a good work. And, uh, and, and, and we are looking at him uh, to put him uh, over a congregation and put him over leadership and as an overseer. Uh, but, but there's a problem because his sins are obvious. His flaws, his issues, he's a reproach. There's so many things that's there. He said, you don't even have to investigate. That's the first person. They go, his sins go before him. Y'all with me? You, there ain't even no need to investigate nothing because it's obvious this dude don't qualify. He said, but there will be some that looks good here. But when you get them here and you start investigating it, then they come up. He don't, he don't believe right. He has some crazy theology. He has some issues that nobody knew about back. Does that make sense? And he said, then there's going to be people that come that, man, you're going to tell he's overqualified. He's got, he's got good works. He's got a strong testimony. He's got all of these things. It's going to be obvious that this guy has got the touch of God on him. He said, but, but, but don't, don't just look for that. Because there's going to be some people that's sitting out there that has it that you don't even know it. They don't have... Listen, it doesn't stand out like a sore thumb, but when you get them here, it comes out. That's what he's saying. Be careful who you choose. Be careful who you put in places of authority. Be careful who you lay your hands on. He said, don't, don't be responsible because you haphazardly did it in too quick of a way. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. 